I'm Mark Franson, a partner in the law firm of Chapman & Cutler, which is a national financial services firm uh, that works in the uh, fintech and marketplace lending uh, space. And uh, as we do every year at Lendit, we publish the uh, booklet, The Regulation of Marketplace Lending, uh, which not only talks about recent updates, uh, but also the historical aspects of this industry and the laws and regulations that affect it. So please feel free to stop by our book and get a copy or scan our QR code to get it electronically or visit our website at uh, chapman.com uh, to get your copy. Uh, so uh, today uh, we're here to talk about the future of the bank partnership model and it's uh, a pleasure to have with us Brian Graham. Uh, after uh, degrees at uh, Harvard and Stanford, he became a congressional staffer, uh, has been in the financial services uh, a long period of time at uh, Fannie Mae, uh, and, and has uh, also been the CEO of Bank Alliance, which is a network of community banks and that provided services uh, to all of those uh, particular banks, uh, and now is a partner in the Claris Group, uh, which gives uh, strategic and regulatory advice to uh, fintechs and, and other uh, institutions. Uh, and so as we said today, we are going to talk a little bit about where does the bank partnership model go from here. Uh, as was alluded to, the bank partnership model is under scrutiny. We all know that. We survived the Madden case and valid when made rules. Uh, but we also know that states are passing laws particularly directed um, at the bank partnership model. Uh, commercial disclosures on the commercial side and usury and licensing issues on the consumer side. We know that regulators are taking a closer look and examining bank partnership programs more closely and that raises the cost. Uh, of, of compliance. Uh, we know that there are true lender and other types of lawsuits out there challenging these things, including uh, the case in California, which could determine the future of, of bank partnerships. And finally, we have the fact that um, uh, investors' uh, appetite could be quelled a little bit by a CFPB case uh, that's now at the Third Circuit that could impose liability on securitization trusts. Uh, that uh, could affect the investment in this particular asset class. So there's a lot of things going on. In addition to that, we've got a not-so-friendly credit cycle. And we all know that uh, it's not been a great year either for fintechs or for banks. And so with that rosy background, Brian, uh, sort of what, uh, how, how are fintechs looking at banks and banks looking at fintechs, and is it going to have implications for what's going to happen down the road for the bank partnership model? Well, with that intro, I think we all need to get to the bar immediately. <laughs> um, uh, so for, for, first, I, I would just say that there's nothing new about partnerships between banks and non-bank financial services companies. They, you know, we're talking 50 plus years of, uh, of, uh, of the, this kind of a model being in existence, and it's in existence for a really good reason, which is that banks have certain things that non-banks don't have. Uh, and non-banks tend to have things that, that uh, 
uh, that banks don't have or can't do well. Um, so banks have access to the payment system and they've got the ability to export interest rates and, and insure deposits, all of which are kind of a monopoly for the banks. And conversely, they're, they're, uh, the banks aren't particularly good at innovation or in some, in some respects at customer service. So this isn't anything new. I would also say that the regulatory stuff that's happening, um, and there is a lot happening, um, uh, most of which is happening beneath the surface. You know, the, the things we can see are the public uh, enforcement actions and litigation, you know, statements and speeches and guidance from the various regulatory agencies. But most of what's happening is happening at the supervisory level through examinations, and there's a lot, uh, a lot of that going on. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that it's happening now. Um, and I don't think there's been that much of a change in regulatory expectations. There's probably been a little bit, uh, and there probably will be more going forward as, as regulators react to the uh, mistakes and excesses of the last five or, or so years. There's an inherent lag in when regula regulators kind of focus on issues. And if you think about uh, any graph that showed, you know, the number of fintechs, the dollars that went into investment in fintechs and all those kinds of things, the last five, six years have been, a, uh, clearly up until about a year ago, have been uh, a massive boom of that activity that created a lot more bank partnerships. A lot of uh, banks got into the partner banking business, some of them not really planning ahead. And, uh, and so I think what we're seeing is, is kind of this inevitable result of that cycle, and it'll continue to play, uh, play out. I don't think it means the death of partnerships, because they're essential and necessary. It just means that uh, the standards that uh, applied, you know, five years ago or should have applied five years ago are, are, are being enforced. And in the long run, I think that's a good thing for both fintechs and banks. So do you think that that means that um, sort of the fundamental relationship between banks and, and their fintech partners are, are going to change? Are, are banks going to get more into the picture? I mean, uh, some would say for a certain degree of things that um, some of the banks pushed off some of their responsibility off to the fintechs, and now we are seeing the regulators come in and, and look at, at various aspects of, of, of that. Um, what's that going to mean for both the fintechs and, and the banks from the regulatory side? Well, I think, by and large, it's going to mean that uh, everybody's going to need to follow the rules that were in place five years ago. Um, uh, it's, uh, it, it is, there's no change in the regulatory expectations at a fundamental level. The banks are responsible for whatever their partners, vendors, fintechs, whatever, are doing. They were responsible for that five or six years ago. To the extent a bank, as you said, pushed off those responsibilities to somebody else, they made a fundamental mistake. Um, and the regulators should hold them accountable uh, for that. I think what's, what's, what's going to happen to these partnerships is that they're going to be harder to execute well because the standards to which uh, banks are going to hold their, their, their partners are appropriately going to be high. And so, uh, you know, if you, if, you wanted to, if, if you wanted to find a bank uh, partner that could get you to market in, in three weeks and wouldn't ask any hard questions and, and, and really wouldn't dig into your business model and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't kind of audit you and all those kinds of things that can be annoying and painful, you know, that's not okay. And it wasn't okay five years ago, and it won't be okay today and going forward. So do you think that's going to make it a little bit tougher for new programs to get into the, the space? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, I think it will. Um, but I think what, what, what it also will do is allow companies that have sustainable business models to have sustainable partnerships that, are, that, that can 
stand the test of time because they're built really to last and to, and to meet those regulatory expectations uh, on a go-forward basis. So it, it seems in, in some part that the, the costs of compliance will increase and, and go up. Is this going to cause any um, disarray or disruption of the economics between banks and, and their partners? Or are we going to have to have an adjustment uh, for those kinds of things? Or, or how are those risks and costs going to be shared? I think there will be adjustments to the kind of baseline economics. There's another piece of this, though, that I think will be more disruptive, which is there's going to be a cleanup phase here uh, of partnerships that were not done well, either by the bank or the fintech or together. That cleanup phase is going to result in problems. There's going to be uh, enforcement actions. There's going to be uh, fintechs that are basically off-boarded. There's going to be disruptions to the flow of uh, transactions and to growth and, and to the addition of new products. I think in the long run, that's going to create a much bigger emphasis for both banks and fintechs on the resiliency of their, of their partnership relationships, as opposed to the, the speed and you know, simplicity and ease of those partnerships. And that's not always something that uh, fintechs uh, seem to be uh, wild about, not going fast uh, in, in this uh, environment. So there's, there's a, uh, a tension um, you know, that I think fintechs are going to face in terms of, of having to deal with, with this bank structure. And I think you're right, it's been there, um, but um, it seems like it's gonna have a little bit more emphasis in, in the future here. I, I think that's right, and what I would say to FinTechs is tough. Right, I mean, if you want access, uh, if, if you want access, you know, the, the government appropriately regulates financial services. And if you want access to key parts of the financial services system, to the payments network, to insured deposits and all those kinds of things. There are responsibilities that come with that. Um, and uh, you as a, you know, if, if you want to have a bank partnership, you have an obligation to stand up to those responsibilities in an appropriate way. That requires some work. A long, just, just as figuring out your, uh, your user interface requires work or your customer acquisition strategy or your marketing strategy figuring out how to handle the, the compliance side of things and everything else is, is, is at least as important. It was sort of interesting, uh, someone stopped by our, our booth this morning and I, I mentioned to you earlier that um, he said, I don't want anything to do with these bank partnership models. I'm gonna go out and get licenses in, in all the states and do my own thing and, and be in control of it. Um, do you see that as a trend? Are we gonna see more of that? Are we gonna see a balance of things? or? Or is, is there a fundamental shift, or is the partnership model sort of uh, here and always to stay? Uh, yes. Um, so I think the, uh, the partnership model is here to stay because there are certain things that you cannot offer um, without access to a bank partnership. You cannot offer, if you're a neobank, or whatever we're calling them these days, you cannot offer an insured deposit account without a bank partner. It, you know, it doesn't work. If you're in the payments business and you want to go around and get money transmitter licenses in, you know, in X states, you can, you, can achieve, uh, you can achieve that. If you're a lender and you want to be a state licensed lender, there are ways to, to do that as well. I think it all depends on the business model. And we, we've seen, for instance, um, recently um, uh, a bank in, in the partnership space um, having uh, some issues on fair lending, and we know that fair lending has been a topic of interest to uh, to the regulators, 
And as a result of that, there are some changes that that bank's going to have to do in terms of its partnership model. Um, what other areas do you see the regulators perhaps focusing in on and the consequences uh, of, of what those things might be, in, whether it's this cleanup phase or is there something else coming down the road as well? Yeah, I don't think it's any different than what a bank's um, being scrutinized by the regulators on, a, uh, on their non-partnership business activities. So it's, it's BSA, right? Big area of focus for the regulators. It's clearly uh, fair lending uh, and the related things like, you know, model risk management and governance and all, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, it, it's also third-party uh, uh, management and, and the kinds of things banks are expected to, to do with respect to their service providers and their vendors and, and those kinds of things. I don't, I don't think there's any magic to where the regulators are focused. I don't think, frankly, there's anything um, surprising or, or different about it. Um, it's just that, uh, you know, I think some banks and some fintechs didn't do what they were supposed to do. Uh, and they're going to be held to account, and that's probably the way the system should work. So you, you talked uh, a little bit earlier about the, uh, the notion of rather than fast uh, and, and quick doing things that, that are going to be durable and resistant. So how, how do uh, banks and, and fintechs get there? So I think, I think it's fundamentally about incentives and the way the incentives work um, for both the bank and, and the fintech. And for, for too long, the incentives were, I want it fast, I want it quick, I want it easy, if you were the fintech. And that resulted in banks uh, coming to the top of the queue, you know, of, of your prioritization queue that probably uh, weren't doing everything they should be doing. Uh, uh, and, and, and in the long run, in the short run, that probably felt like a good answer because you got to market faster. Nobody bugged you about certain things. In the long run, that's not going uh, to work. I think what's going to happen is that that's going to get flipped because people are going to have some tough experiences, probably already are having tough experiences um, as a result of, uh, of some of the deficiencies in their partnerships. And uh, that's going to cause a much bigger focus on making sure their bank partner actually is doing what, uh, what is expected and required. In a weird way, I think that uh, the fintechs that are really looking to build durable businesses that'll be there for the long run will want banks that are uh, asking those questions and making those requirements and demands because that, that'll, stand the test of, uh, that'll stand the test of time. And if you're a bank, if you find a FinTech that kind of resists that, that's probably a good measure of, uh, of, of the situation and, and a partner to avoid. A red flag, no, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. and, and of course, there's another whole piece of, of this picture, right? And, and that is that uh, so many of the marketplace assets are sold off into the secondary market, uh, that securitizations are, are a huge uh, uh, part of, of the liquidity and the financing of this particular market. And so are these regulatory issues, is, is that going to sort of quell the appetite of, of investors? Is it uh, going to cause them to enhance their, their diligence, which um, in many cases already is, is somewhat robust, um, will they avoid the thing and will that, that cause an issue in this space? You're talking about securitization yeah, markets in, and, in right. specifically? Um, I think most of the things that are coming to the surface, let me, let me flip it around. Most of the things that are directly relevant to the securitization markets have long been in the water, right? True lender, that kind of stuff. Most of the things that are coming to the surface now are more things about what the bank did or didn't do that really are about 
consequences for the bank and or for the fintech partner, less about the, you know, some kind of impairment or, or challenge or other uh, implication for the assets themselves. That's not to say there aren't those cir circumstances, but I think it's, it's predominantly about the institutions and companies and their behavior as opposed to the, uh, uh, as opposed to the loan assets that spit out the other side. And, and I know in, in the securitization field, for instance, you'll, you'll oftentimes see the eligibility criteria being changed. Um, you know, there was, you know, this case out in West Virginia on cash call, so we're not going to take any West Virginia loans. And, you know, there's this over in this particular state. And as we see more and more state action and, and maybe even lawsuits, is, is this just going to keep cutting uh, you know, assets out of out of the mix, and how do uh, banks and and fintechs you know sort of deal with with this uh, ongoing development of of state laws that that really are aimed to some degree to to impact the model. Well, I think that you know the, the short answer to your question is yes. Um, to the extent state laws um, uh, make it uh, untenable to to originate certain kinds of assets. They're not going to be originated, and and uh, and what have you. The big question, I think, is for for the states, for the state regulatory agencies, and 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 the the legislatures, is to strike the right balance between consumer protection on the one hand, uh, you know, and and consumer access and financial inclusion on the other. And I leave that to them. But yeah, to the extent that a particular state passes a law, or there's a uh, piece of lit litigation that results in a and a court decision that makes uh, uh, certain types of lending unattractive in certain states, that's, you know, it's going to continue to be a problem. Right. And, of course, we've got the ongoing case in California. That would be a huge uh, implication for the market if something negative uh, happened out there. But it, it, again, points not only to the theme, I guess, of, of our sessions here, that talking with regulators are important, uh, but also the, the importance of, of the right kind of compliance, doing it right, and, and having all of those things uh, in place. Um, we've only got a minute or so left. Do you see any other uh, sort of big things uh, happening, or what does your crystal ball say about uh, you know, the future of, of the bank partnership model? I wish I had a crystal ball. I wouldn't be uh, sitting here in this conference. Um, <laughs> both of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, look, I think that the next, the next year or two is going to be a, a tough year for bank partnerships because of the cleanup phase. Um, and the interesting thing will be what emerges out the other side um, uh, because I think the, the partnerships that do survive, the new ones that are created, will be, will, will be in a much better position to stand the test of time. Uh, and it will be interesting to see how all the fintechs and the banks react to that dynamic. And, and the other thing I think that's, that's going on here, too, is that uh, when a lot of those original partnerships were put into place, some of those agreements are sort of coming to term, their, their expiration points. So there's going to be an opportunity to, to look at the terms of those particular agreements, to renegotiate those particular terms, and to build in some, some of these uh, uh, costs, incentives, and, and things to, to drive the, the durable and, and, and not the fast. Exactly. Um, we are out of time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Mark.